your crazed dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Costa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week three in the NFL, including the Sunday and Monday nighter. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How are you doing, buddy? I'll be honest, Matty, a little bit under the weather, been fighting a cold all week, but um, the last slate of Sunday games sort of more than made up for it. Not only is my man Jimmy G back in the mix, but we saw some pretty massive comebacks um, thanks to the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Cardinals, unfortunately, the Cardinals, because they're in my division. But on top of that, the Giants and the Lions also won on the same day. Yeah, it's like the Twilight Zone, buddy. This is bizarre. Bizarro world football. Well, they did. Um, there was a happy ending in Cleveland. Unfortunately, it wasn't for Deshaun Watson. Hi-oh! They suffered a loss to a 37-year-old journeyman and Joe Flacco in the New York football Jets, and Robert Sala was taking receipts. Yeah, Robert Sala should take some receipts, but should know that was just one win. So maybe before he needs to start talking, they should win a couple more games. But what really blew me away about that is Joe Flacco. What the fuck? Where did that come from? I'm sitting there going like, what the hell's going on out here? This can't be. And he's like surgically picking the defense apart. I was like, I, once again, it's bizarro world football. I think he's I think he's third in the league now in, in passing yardage, and he actually looked like not an automaton on the sidelines. He actually looked like he had some joyous emotion to him, uh, even more so than when they won the Super Bowl. Yep. And how about those Bills? You got me feeling like I'm Josh Allen. Yeah. Well, and the Eagles. Wow, another level possible yeah. uh, Super Bowl matchup there. Well, we're seeing some young quarterbacks that I owe apologies to. So I'd like to say I'm sorry to Jalen Hurts for slandering his Eagles. And then earlier yeah. this season, I I think I said Tua stinks. Um, now, mind you, that his first half play stunk. <laughs> but, uh, wow, six touchdowns in one game. That's two more than Al Bundy ever got. I served my country. I played high school football. <laughs> Four touchdowns in one game. Hats off. I am sorry to both those gentlemen. I am sorry. One person I'm not sorry for is the next member of our piece of shit club, though. Um, for those of you that don't know, Andy and I have a piece of shit club that we started. Now, of course, who is the current president there, Andy? Well, it's unquestionably Daniel Snyder of the professional football team from Washington. You are correct, sir. Yes. Yeah, of course, because obviously he is the biggest piece of shit in the NFL. But we have to add a Hall of Famer this week. Andy, who are we adding to the piece of shit Hall well, of Fame? Well, be- before we actually add him officially, let's let's talk about the fact that we don't like to have to talk about this. This is not a segment we want to do. This is a segment we have to do. And unfortunately, the newest member of the piece of shit club is none other than retired Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre. Come on down! According to NBC, newly released text messages from NFL Hall of Famer Brett Favre show that he was much more involved than previously known in pushing for millions of federal welfare dollars to be diverted from helping poor families 
to instead pay for a new volleyball facility at the school where his daughter played the sport. And there was an actual text message that came to light, quote unquote, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? Now, with this text, we find out there's a paper trail. And where there's a paper trail, the prognosticator's on the case. Always doing his research, always digging deep. Here are the top five other things for which public monies were diverted at the request of Brett Favre. Number five. He purchased 4,000 pairs of Wrangler open fly jeans. Wrangler open fly jeans feature an ultra relaxed fit right where you need it most. The fly. Wallet zippers and buttons slow you down. With open fly jeans, it's always out and camera ready. Look, I put my pants on just like anyone else, one leg at a time. Then I pull my penis out. Sometimes I take a picture of it. Number four. Was also caught diverting money from the Flags for Orphans bill to pay for testosterone replacement therapy. Once I turn 40, let me guess, less energy, less drive? Definitely. It's not your fault. It happens to every man. Testosterone levels drop as you age. Happened to you guys? Yep. Will there still be money for the orphans? <laughs> Number three. He made a generous donation to the Anthony Weiner's charity fund that teaches teenage boys the dangers of sending dick pics. A photo of an anonymous man's bulging underwear was tweeted from Congressman Weiner's account. Hi Today I am announcing my resignation from Congress. Number two. He gave money to the Mayo Clinic to further research on long-term effects of CTE. Apparently, he can only recall 13 of his 18 retirements. Are you seeing a psychiatrist? Because I got a flash for you, young man. You're not copus mentis. And now, the number one. He led a cool million ride on the Washington Generals. Let me get this straight. You took all the money you made franchising your name and bet it against the Harlem Globetrotters? Uh, I thought the Generals were due. <laughs> That's a thing of beauty. It must have been something I ate. Now, Andy, before we fire it up, I believe we got some birthday wishes. Yes, indeed we do. And I'd like to give a big shout out to a huge friend of our show. And that would be Parlay Chris C. in the 519 who turned 50 this week. So happy half century, my friend, Chris. Happy birthday. All right. Should we fire it up, Andy? Yeah, man. Let's fire it up. Oh, yeah. Well, the first game on our docket is a big NFC matchup against two supposed NFC juggernauts in the Tampa Bay Bucks. They are at home and one-point favorites against visiting Green Bay Packers. 42 is your over-under, and I find it odd that a game featuring two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks uh, and both teams are coming in with basement-dwelling offenses, and we only have a total of 42. The Packers are 22nd in the NFL in offense, and the Bucks are even lower at 25th. What's seems going weird. on, Andy? It seems weird. Uh, well, Rodgers only averages 5.3 yards a pass this season. Now, I guess because it's second lowest in the league, but that's partially by design. I think it looks like their offense is designed. You get that ball out so fast, no defender even has a chance to pressure the quarterback. And it's also because they don't have Devontae Adams to throw to downfield. Yeah, they, they do have a problem with personnel when it comes to trying to stretch the field. 
I heard Ben Gay is going to be sponsoring this game. Warmth is relief, and Ben Gay is warmth. This might be the last time that we see Aaron Rodgers face off against Tom Brady, unless something weird happens in the playoffs. But uh, they faced each other four times previously. Uh, Brady has the edge in a three to one wins. So anyway, enjoy the game for what it's worth sentimentally. As you said, I don't expect to see a lot of explosions on offense. But my gosh, you're not going to have Mike Evans in there at Exhibit A. Uh, he was given a week off by the League for Best Block by a Wide Receiver Award. Marshawn Lattimore was on the business end of that particular hit last Sunday. Maddie, did you see that? Is the Pope Catholic and making the world safe for pedophiles? And now you've got offensive tackle Josh Wells from Tampa Bay, who's now on the IR, like they could afford any more injuries on the O-line. Oh, yeah, on top of that, Tom Brady is going through a separation with Giselle and has asked for every Wednesday off from practice because that's going to help the team. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on, so. Don't discount the, you know, that kind of discord in someone's life affecting their on-field play. Brady hasn't seemed himself this year. And as always, he's berating his teammates on the field when things don't go his way. He really does, like, when he's winning, he looks really good and he says all the right things. When he's losing... He looks like a petulant little fuck. You're a whiny little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> always bitching at other people. It's always someone else's fault. And that guy's out there throwing wounded ducks. Well, what was the score in the Tampa, or sorry, in the New Orleans game? Uh, at halftime, it was three to three, I think. With nothing was going on. Like, I expect that from Taysom Hill. But when you're the GOAT, you know, especially with an a, a O-line like Tampa Bay, I really, I think the the Bucks they're supposed to be great this year, and if they run into trouble in the NFC, they might not even make the playoffs. <laughs> Are you calling him a goat because he looks like a goat now after his plastic surgery? Because I heard I heard one guy say that he looks like his his picture looks like if you drew Kevin Bacon from memory. Oh, he totally got the Kenny Rogers. Like the surgeon yeah. just pulled too tight, and once you sewed yeah. it, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Oh, I were, um, on the other side of the ball, Rodgers was sacked three times versus your Bears, and that makes it seven times through the first uh, two games. I yep. mean, they're going to have their hands full with the Bucks front seven, who I think still the best in football. Absolutely, but that's where that uh, getting the ball out quickly comes into play. The Packers are really good at those little jet sweeps and stuff to the flats and little crossing routes. The Packers run the ball well. They're pretty yeah. good with some tight defense. That's a good recipe for winning on the road. I'm going to take the Packers, uh, you know, plus one. It might even be worth, uh, you know, up in the spread to maybe like minus two and a half. That's sitting at plus 115 and get a little extra juice. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, don't go too far because I don't expect to see a lot of points on the on the scoreboard. But, you know, as you say about the running game, I think they've sort of figured out um, the chemistry between Dylan and Jones in the backfield and the ways to get them both the balls in creative fashions. And I, and I think that that's going to be uh, dictating the flow of the game, that, that running game for the Packers. And, I, and I'm with you. I'm going Green Bay on this one. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. Uh, 
Up next, a huge AFC matchup. The Miami Dolphins are in South Beach at home and sitting five and a half point underdogs against the visiting Buffalo Bills. 52 and a half is your over under for this one. And I mean, the way these two teams are playing, this game could already have big playoff implications. Um, and I do, like I say, apologize to Tua for the slander earlier this season. Because now, if you look at him along with Waddle and Hill, or the Penguin and the Cheetah as they're known, they could present the Bills with their first big defensive challenge this season. I think so, but um, in talking about their offense, I think the score of the game's already 21-21. Let's go back to the stat line for Tua. Yeah, 469 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, the Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, he had a buck 90 and two majors. Uh, you had the Penguin, Waddle, had 171 yards and two touchdowns. These guys remind me of uh, the Marks, Clayton and Duper back in the 80s with Dan Marino. I think these, I honestly believe that these could be the fastest two receivers in football, and they're on the same team. Now, Buffalo's got a great team of safeties yeah. that aren't going to be biting on a lot of stuff shallow. Yeah, but they're banged up, though. That secondary, they, they took a few lumps uh, in that last game. Also, that stat line is really from Tua almost only over a half, right? That's true. They, yeah. played, they played like shit in that first half. They, they do did. that again against a team like Buffalo. They're going to be down 35 points at the half, and they're not going to be coming back at all. Last week, the Bills' pass defense held Tannehill to no touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 32.7 passer rating. Um, and Miami is like, Miami has such polar stat lines, too. They're first in the league in offense, but 28th on defense. They're first in passing offense, 28th on rushing offense. So they look really one-dimensional early on. More impressive than their passing stats, the Bills' defense held Derrick Henry to 25 yards on 13 carries. Derrick Henry. Hey, I got a trivia question for you, Matty. Who is the last coach, the Miami Dolphins, to start his tenure in Miami at 2-0? Dave Wonstadt? Ooh, go back a little further. Not Shula. Uh, in between. Who was it? Jimmy Johnson. Oh, that's right. Jimmy Johnson. That guy wins everywhere. Yeah, that's how long it's been. That's how long it's been so anyway um they got a lot yeah they got a lot going for them and i think right now with buffalo josh allen to stefan diggs is probably the number one connection in the league yeah i wouldn't disagree stefan diggs brought a whole new element to josh allen's game and allen's taking full advantage of it like i mean the bills they are gonna have to get to tua because those two big you know the cheetah and the penguin you can't let them get downfield and give him time to throw because those guys, like you said, they're just fast. If it's a track meet, they're winning that track meet. Uh, especially like you did say that Buffalo is a little weak in the secondary just due to injury. Otherwise, they have such a great um, a great defensive secondary. But it's really hard to get to Tua right now because Tua has only been sacked one time on the last 50 dropbacks. Really? Absolutely. Wow. 
Well, good for if them. If they keep his jersey clean, they got a chance. No, I don't disagree. But let's let's be honest. The purpose of this show is to talk about spreads. And to me, five and a half seems like a pretty big spread. Do you agree? Well, it, it's anytime you got a divisional matchup, especially yeah. a heated divisional matchup, usually three or three in the hook is all you're going to see. I think this is... Uh, obviously a reflection of Buffalo's offensive prowess this season and the fact that I think they're plus 55 already. Which, nothing to sneeze at because, you know, it's not like they played the Jets twice. You know, Titans are a good team. The the Rams are a good team. Look, I just think Buffalo's rolling, and once again, on the road, it comes down to defense. Miami's got the 28th-ranked defense. Buffalo's defense, defense is ranked fourth. I look, I expect them to play a tough divisional road game and cover the five and a half points. Oh, okay. Hey, the Dolphins could completely surprise me. And normally I don't go this high on a divisional game like this. But unfortunately, it, to me, like the stats just line up in Buffalo's favor. Yeah. Miami doesn't even, hasn't even played a full 60 minutes yet. This is a real big early acid test for McDaniel, and I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna show up, and I think they're gonna cover that five and a half. So I'm going with the Dolphins on this one. Go Bills, squish the fish, hold the emails. I know dolphins are mammals, but you know, <laughs> squish the fish. This is Johnny United for the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. Up next, we go to Indianapolis. We got another five and a half point spread here. Indy, five and a half point home dogs against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, 50 and a half here is your over under. One thing I found interesting last week, um, this goes more to how Mahomes is maturing. He completed passes to nine different receivers. Like he's, he's seeing the field and chucking the ball around like he's playing Madden. And Matty Ice. He's looking more and more like a washed-up quarterback with every passing week. He's not seeing the field well at all. I, I, the Colts are going to have their hands full here. You mean Matty Slush? Yeah, exactly. Well, you're right. I mean, I, I noticed that stat, too, about the nine receivers. And they that was a really close game and a tough win uh, against the Chargers last Thursday. And next week, they face the team they lost to in the Super Bowl two years ago, and that would be the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay and on Sunday night primetime, making this... It's an almost wise, guys! Sandwich game! What are you? An idiot sandwich. Indy played like horseshit in Jacksonville on Sunday, getting skunked, and in doing so, lost their seventh straight game in North Florida. And I'll tell you why that happened, Matthew. Jonathan Taylor, nine carries for 50 yards. The team as a whole, nine first downs. And as I said, Matty Ice probably looked a little bit more like Matty Slush. However, here's an argument for the Colts. Michael Pittman looks to be back in the lineup. Shaquille Leonard is probably going to be back on the D-line, which is going to be huge. This is also their home opener. They have very few other starters on the IR. Naheem Hines is a legit dual threat out of the backfield. I think he caught 10 passes last week. Or, sorry, 10 passes for the season. Um, and when you think about Matt Ryan's age, it's, it's a pretty pretty good safety valve and nice luxury to have. And let's go a little bit deeper into the box score against the Chiefs game against the Chargers last Thursday. 
Mahomes only had 235 passing yards. The team had 93 rushing yards total, and one was a run for 52 by Edwards Hilaire. Jail, and then if you exclude the Jalen Watson 99-yard interception pick six, I mean, that game's not even close. Now, I think Frank Reich is a coach. He's going to get those Colts right. You know, losing the first two games is probably more of a wake-up call than a disaster in that division. I think it's by far the worst division in football that we've seen in a while. And I don't really think they're quite bad or quite that bad. You, you couldn't have a better buy low spot than this. I, it's a great sandwich spot here. So I would invite players from both teams to go down to Griner's Sub Shop on Shelby Street and order the Rays 1969 Hoagie. The cold cut headliner has a core of Genoa salami, beef salami, ham, and provolone cheese, and shines when given the old school garnish of thin sliced tomatoes, onions, olives, pepperoncini, and the requisite iceberg confetti, followed by oil, vinegar, salt, pepper, and a dried oregano finish. If you were going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it. All right, Sunday Night Football. We head to the Mile High City. And, uh, well... Denver's playing host to your San Francisco 49ers. Denver's sitting one and a half point underdogs at home. Uh, 45s, you're over under. Trey's out. Jimmy's in. This is your account, Andy. Uh, how do you, how do your new look slash old look Niners look in the uh, Mile High City this weekend? Well, a lot of people in the organization are reticent to show excitement, but trust me, there is excitement there. Trey Lance was a you know, three or four year plan for them to be an elite team. But Jimmy Garoppolo is your guy right now. Like Trey, in the last 1,000 days, which goes back to his college career, Trey's had six starts. And after this injury, it's going to be closer to four full years. This team's ready to win right now. If you look at their defense and you look at the depth in their backfield on offense, uh, Jimmy G is just the perfect plug-and-play uh, the chemistry that he has with Kittle, who's now going to be back in the lineup for the first time this year. I, I really believe this is going to be a blowout. And I'm saying that not because I, I doubt what Russell Wilson can do, but my God, did you see Nathaniel Hackett attempt to coach that game last week? Oh, he started terrible. the season as poorly as I've ever seen a new coach do so, which is saying a lot. This is I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the Herman Edward treatment at the end of the game. Did you see that at Arizona State on Saturday? I didn't. Yeah, so Herm Edwards lost, um, I guess it was was either two or three straight to start the season at ASU. He was literally fired in the end zone by the AD after the game, before the teams had even left the field. You play to win the game. You're fired. But going going back to Daniel Hackett, his, his clock management, was so bad last game that the Broncos fans started chanting down the play clock to avoid delay game penalties. Yeah, there was a lot of boobirds out in Denver uh, last week. Not, I mean, Russell Wilson, the guy's had a lot of success against the Niners over his career, but 
now he's lost his star wideout in Jerry Judy, yeah. which means the only guy he's really got to throw to is Cortland Sutton, who he targeted like 11 times. But the defense, when you only have one guy to throw to, pretty much knows who to key on. Oh. <laughs> so, um, And they also have a little bit of a, they might have a little bit of a problem on the corners. So Patrick Sertan was out of, he's limited in practice, yeah, was out at the beginning of the week. And he would be the guy covering Debo Samuel. Now, healthy, that would be an epic matchup. But if he's hindered, uh, I got Debo having the edge there. But on the other sideline, this one's going to be a really good matchup. That's Ronald Darby against Brandon Ayuk. I think uh, that's going to be, those guys are going to go at each other all game. But Jimmy's going to have his pick of who to throw to. If Debo's not open, then Ayuk might be open. Or you've got Kittle doing what Kittle does. Or you've got a ground game. And you've got a Bosa-led defense. Yeah, that, and, and let's not forget that the 49ers defense is no stranger to Russell Wilson. They're used to playing this guy twice a year. They know his proclivities. Yeah, and I mean, well, Nick Bosa is a freak. He got two sacks last week. He's mm-hmm. always a factor in every game he plays. And with Russ not having any weapons at his disposal and what seems to be a coach, and as a Bears fan, trust me, I know what it's like to have a shit coach that, you know, just basically makes everything chaos in a game. And that seems to be happening in Denver. And that hurts a team almost more than anything else. You know, you send uh, San Francisco in there who are a well-coached team and they have a backup playing, yes, but is he really a backup if he's been to a Super Bowl with that team? <laughs> no, it, I'm gonna, I'm with you, buddy. I, I think your Niners cover this this spread. I think they cover it easily, but that's my biased opinion. Go America, go America, go Broncos. Yeah, go Broncos. Yeah. Go Big Blue. Go Big Blue. Finally, Monday night, another big division rivalry, this time the NFC East as the New York Giants are one-point home favorites against the visiting Dallas Cowboys. 39 and a half years you're over under. And don't look now, but the NFC East is no longer the shittiest division in football. Um, the G-Men are 2-0, brimming with confidence. They're not blowing teams out like the Bills, but holy shit, the G-Men are 2-0. Um, now, on the other sideline, you got Jerry Jones already fomenting dissent in his own locker room by saying he'd welcome a QB controversy, uh, probably as much as he'd welcome a newfound glory hole. I want me some glory hole. These two franchises seem to have a different vibe. New York's is like positive and we're, we're on our way up. And Dallas infighting, shit talking, quarterback with no name. We played all right last week, but let's face it. Neither of these offenses is going to be that great. It's Saquon Barkley show for New York. Are you talking about Cooper Rush? Yeah, that, is that his name? Yeah, is that is that not the whitest name in football right now? No, I do know that's his name, but I just because I couldn't remember his name for the longest time, I have now just called him the quarterback with no name. <laughs> he threw well. He threw for two thirty five and one touchdown, which as a backup quarterback, pretty good. I don't. I can't even remember the last time the Giants were favored against the Cowboys. I really can't. And as you say, you know their head coach Brian Dayball. 
he is he, the guys are buying in. And in, in typical Giants fashion, there's not really one big superstar. Yeah, you got Saquon Barkley, but it's just good old fashioned sound football. Let's pound the ball, let's play defense and not make any mistakes. Uh, the key here, though, for a Giants win is going to be their ability to contain Micah Parsons. They're going to have to go with like a double end or sorry, a double tight end set or maybe throw in a fullback to block or, or both. I don't know. Well, the G-Men's line allowed three sacks and nine quarterback hit last week against the Panthers. They, they got to do some about Parsons or Daniel Jones is going to be like a dead sack of potatoes. I heard Parsons did not practice on Wednesday due to illness. Maybe he's got the same cold I do. Don't know. But if he's not 100%, that's a big win for the Giants by far. First time first time that G-Men have started 2-0 in six years. Um, you got Michael Gallup. He's likely going to suit up at wide receiver, but apparently he's going to be on a tight pitch count for the game. The, in the two meetings, rather, that they had last season, combined score in favor of the Cowboys, 65-26. to 26. But this is a different year. This is this is different altogether. The mood's different. Um, the key personnel is a lot different. I'm 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 going to go with the G-men here. Yeah, I think this comes down to the running game because the quarterback plays kind of a washout, and both teams have done well on defense. They're ranked about the same. So I think it's about Saquon Barkley who has the total ability to take the offense, put it on his back, and carry them to a win, especially at home in a low-scoring affair. I'd take the G-Men here. G-Men! And now a little six-point teaser for everybody before we let you go. Andy, what do you like this week? Well, my first one goes to the great state of Washington, where the Atlanta Falcons are currently two-point underdogs against the Seahawks. And I don't believe the Seahawks have the firepower to create separation with anyone in the league. So taking that two to an eight, going through the key numbers of three, four, and seven, Seems like a good idea. Keep in mind, this Falcons team dropped 26 on the Saints in week one and 27 on the Rams last week. I think their offense is really underrated, and this this line reflects that. And on the second leg in the teaser, in an almost identical type of situation, I'm going to look for the Houston Texans, who are currently plus two and a half going into Chicago, and I'm going to take that through the key numbers of three, four, and seven to eight and a half it's a very low total of 40 and this will be a reunion of sorts for lovey smith going back to soldier field and i expect nothing more than a close game here All right for the first leg of my teaser i'm taking the packers bucks game and i'm going to take the packers from plus one to plus seven going through the key numbers of three and seven well it doesn't really go through seven but it lands on seven i'm close enough and uh, then I'm going to look at the total of the Cowboys-Giants game on Monday Night Football. I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to push it from 39.5 to 45.5. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to week three of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Then you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week three games across the NFL. 
From the Costa Nostra studios for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bed time on the same bed channel. Sign our Go Big Blue! Go Big Blue!